0: Well, good morning. Welcome to this portion of the service. Um, I'm excited today to be able to share with you words that um, Jesus felt were important for us to hear. And so um, we're going to be looking at probably what I think of as the most um, well-known passage in the New Testament, at least to me. Um, just out of a raise of the hand, your hands, how many of you at some point, you don't have to be, be able to quote it right now, would be able to quote the Sermon of the Mount? How many of you memorize the Sermon on the Mount at some point in their life? So if we would then ask how many of you have now today could quote the Beatitudes? I bet... Almost everybody would raise their hands. I'm not going to put you all on the spot again. It's it's hard enough. But so we are going to be looking at the first 12 verses of the Sermon of the Mount. And um just a little background here. As um as I have opportunity, depending on what the schedule is, I am planning on working through the Sermon on the Mount um, in the next messages. Um, I just feel like it was beneficial for me to work through a full passage and not just pick chunks of passages out to share from. So just so you guys know what to be looking forward to or not looking forward to in the future. Um, So that being said, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And as I think about this passage, I think about we've all probably heard a lot of messages on it. And everything from, um, you know, all kinds of different approaches, a lot of it focusing on how to receive blessings. And I think that part of it is there, but as I pondered this, as I read through it time and uh, numerous times, there was something that wasn't quite sitting right with me. And I realized that we'll get to that. Um, So, but um, with that approach. So, I want to start out and read, just bump into chapter 4 and read verses 23 through um, 5-2. Then his fame went through all of Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up onto the mountain, and he, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "We're going to stop here." Um, so the introduction to this passage we see that Jesus is caring for the people and one of the things that I'm seeing here is he's giving to the people which is exactly what you know we would expect of Jesus but when that happens all of us our human nature is to reach out and say what can I get and that was what was happening here. The people were, were, you know, reaching out. And so then it becomes kind of this, you know, can I follow you and get something? And that is what I'm seeing kind of leading up to the Sermon of on the Mount. And as I've listened to, I would say, I think of three or two common approaches that I've seen to preaching through or teaching the Sermon on the Amount. And one is the pr- approach of going through each of the attributes of the Beatitudes and picking out a character quality, meekness. So I want to receive a blessing, I'm going to be meek. And God will bless me. And that, I understand how we get there. The problem with that is it's a very works based approach. And it's also going to lead us to essentially our own version of health and wealth. Um, Mennonite health and wealth doctrine is be good, be saved. Um, And, you know, we might not get the jumbo jet, but that's essentially, we're just kicking the ball down the road a little farther, where we're doing our our good stuff for the jumbo jet, but our jumbo jet's heaven. So, I think that's a really problematic theology if, because we're leaving out this big piece called Jesus. So, as we think about these Beatitudes, I don't want us to be thinking about them that way. Second kind of approach that I see is that we kind of use it as a springboard to teach each of these characters. So, you know, I want to have a message on mercy. Then, you know, I read the verse in uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we go to... Um, kind of down bunny trails to teach mercy. So we can use it as a springboard. Again, nothing wrong with that, but we're not really digging into what was Jesus's heart here. So, and then I would say a final way that we often teach these is as kind of, maybe shall we say fruits of the spirit? Like these are things that God can or will award us for doing and give us blessings for, and of the three that I've kind of gone over so far, I think that one's probably the closest to how the people who were listening to Jesus at the time were thinking about, and again, nothing wrong with that, but like most of Jesus' teaching, we see a foreshadowing of things to come. And so today, we are now living in that time that Jesus was foreshadowing, and you know we know at this point that Jesus has died, and that through Jesus, salvation is available through us. And it's nothing that we can do, rather it is going to be accepting that, and then um, it's a free gift to us. So... With that kind of background and backdrop, I want to move on and actually read the next 12 verses. And then we're going to go through and break them down into three sections that um, stood out to me as you know, what Jesus is possibly foreshadowing here. And um, then we'll wrap up at the end with... Um, Kind of a conclusion to that. So, um, picking up at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted, when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, um, today we're going to break these um, verses up into three kind of chunks. The first one's going to be verses 3 through 5. The second is going to be verses 6 through 9. And the final is going to be 10 through 12. Um, So, But before we do that, I want to talk about one thing in general, and that is this word blessed. Um, I think it's really important. It's repeated numerous times through the passage to understand what um, Jesus is referring to when he says blessed. And there's two words that can be translated as blessed. One of them is going to have the idea of kind of outward blessings. So to use that as a sen- in a sentence, as um, you know, they always say, use that in a sentence. So Alfie and Anita were blessed with a healthy child. That is the first type of blessing. And an example of that being used in scripture is going to be in Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. So that is, in that situation, that word that is being used in there in Matthew 25, 34, is that outward blessing of, like, you know, something good happening to you. And this word is going to be the other kind of blessing, and that is more of an inward blessing. Now, one disclaimer I will have for this to kind of cover my back in case, you know, we, um, somebody's looking up the Greek and all this stuff. This gets a little bit muddled because translated into Hebrew, those words are then translated into one word, and so it does get a little muddled, and you will hear some differences of of opinion on it, and I'm not necessarily, this is not a hill I'm going to die on, But, um, but it does appear that the word that we're talking about here is the inward blessing. So that idea of um, inward joy or happiness. So if I was going to use that in a sentence, I would say um, Farmer Joe is a joyful person regardless of rain or shine. So that idea that his joy is coming from within. So that is the type of blessing that I believe is being used in this passage. So... um, so again, just a reminder: we're not thinking about do this behavior to get something out of it. Rather, we're thinking about the result of the behavior, and I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, it just it's so it changes the way we approach life. And I will just say it's something I personally struggle with. Um, I. I want to be, I want to have that justice where I do something, I get something that I deserve, and I, I, it's kind of, maybe we all do, I don't know, I think, but I do find that that's something I really struggle with, and I constantly have to be on top of not falling into this works, um, you know, salvation type thing where I'm obeying and living in that Old Testament. So, and, you know, through the blood of Christ, we all can do that, but it is something that I think we need to be aware of. Um, I will also say, um, for years, and I always loved this, and this is kind of a little bit on a bunny trail, but whenever my dad taught this passage, he would always describe it as instead of saying blessed, he would say, you are in a good situation. And I always loved that imagery of you are in a good situation if you are poor in spirit, if you are meek, if you mourn. Um, Because so oftentimes that's kind of counterintuitive. So a little bit of a kind of a side road, but I think it's worth noting. Um, So. Moving into the first pieces um, of the passage I want to look at, verses 3 to 5. So as we think about this stuff, I want us to think about this as Jesus alluding to salvation. And the first um, three verses... He, talk, he has references to the Old Testament, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then, and that again, referencing the um, poor is a word that comes up a lot when we think about the Jewish people. If you think in the prophets, they talk about kind of the oppressed, the poor, and they use those words a lot. So I think you know, alluding to the fact that you're in a position for salvation. Um, and as I think in my life, there's a humbling of myself that comes when, that I had to get to before Jesus could reach me and get to me. And I see you know, in this passage, he's saying, Blessed are you when you are in this position that God can reach you. And then in verse four, he says, Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. And this word mourn is more than just, I'm sad, I'm crying. I think Wayne brings it out, and I can't think exactly how you say it, Wayne, but the idea of coming to the end of yourself. What is, do you remember the word that you use for that? Um, wow. I, anyway, it eludes me right now, but I, it always strikes me where you're, it's that deep inward sorrow where you're just, um, yeah, you're undone. Um, so that's the point where Jesus is saying, blessed are you, when you are at that undone point that you have nowhere else to turn to, and then verse 6 is, or verse 5, is a direct quote from Psalm 37, 11, and it's Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So, I would feel like, you know, this is a time when there's not a lot of books, and so the way that, you know, a point was made to drive it home was to come back to that. So, come back and back and back to a point, so, and repeat it. So, here, I would feel like Jesus is just reiterating the point of verse 3, verse um, in a slightly different way by repeating or um, quoting a passage from the Old Testament. So, um, he's just coming back to that idea of poor in spirit, humble, and ready to be pliable. So, we have in the first section, Jesus is introducing the idea of undoneness and then recognizing our sin and our, you know, we don't have anywhere to turn. Um, And then, in verse 6 and 7, an interesting part with this section is we no longer have the quotes and the references to the Old Testament. So, I think as I look at this, I'm like, wow, Jesus is introducing redemption, and the people who he's preaching to aren't aren't aware of this at this point, but um, but it's it's clearly there. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to stop there, but I'm just struck by the fact that you know you have this emptiness, and then emptiness creates a hunger and thirst, and then he goes on to say, and they shall be filled. And that word filled has the idea of saturated. Um, so, you know, that, that sponge that is just dripping and sopping um, with, with everything it can hold, um, which is just a beautiful picture of the way Christ fills us. And, um, and then... The next two verses, 7 and 8, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I love the picture of how God is also willing to give us mercy, and then also the idea that we will exhibit Christ. And so just as he's poured out mercy, that's going to be exhibited in our lives. And again, this idea that Christ is not here to have us exchange stuff, but he fills us, and then we mirror what he does. So if we move on into verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And I just again another characteristics of, characteristic of Christ. And I had to think yesterday morning. Um, there was a lot of, shall we say, non peaceful activity happening. In our neighborhood. And long story short, somebody was breaking into cars, and it wasn't super close to our house, but it was close enough. And then somebody came out, and it ended up in a pretty bad altercation. And I was just thinking, and Jess and I were just talking about it, and just how how it's not of Christ. And you know, once you go down that road, it, there's not, we're not exhibiting Christ. And I, as I was reading through this, I was, and this is a little bit of a bunny trail, but just struck by the importance of exhibiting Christ and how when we let him fill us up, we become who he is and not of the world. And there is a blessing that comes with that. So anyway, a little bit of a bunny trail, but I it was on my mind. So um, so we have these attributes of Christ and um, that are exhibited, and so now we are living in Christ. And then finally, we're moving into verses ten through eleven, and. I think the thing that I'm struck with is, again, Jesus knowing what His followers were going to be facing. And he's reminding them to be aware that what happens here is not it's not the whole story, and that there's a blessing in the sense of you're partaking with me. So um, I will just move on and read verses 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. I'm going to stop there. Um, I think the thing that I want to, just pull out of these verses is that we are not of this world, and so there are going to be times where, and that there is persecution, there is, you know, bad stuff that happens to us, people aren't kind, Um, they, because they're not living in the kind of the world that we are living in. But I also think sometimes we lose sight of the fact of kind of, let's grit our teeth. And we kind of have this attitude, let's grit our teeth, let's bear it, let's get through it, and we can go to heaven. And we miss the fact that we're actually doing this through Jesus, rather than a lot like we're not. We're not at odds with, it's not just, I'm not saying this quite the way I'm trying to get it across, but we're at odds with each other sometimes with, it's still transactional. And this is not about being transactional, it's about walking alongside Jesus and following him. And so... And with that become, comes the blessing that we get from it. And then finally, verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I think the beauty of this is, despite everything, while we cannot earn it, we are being freely given the reward of heaven. And Jesus, And while those Jesus was teaching did not fully understand what he was offering them, we today have that opportunity to participate in this bigger picture. And as I think about those who were were actually Jesus' audience in the crowd, they were hearing an immediate Savior. They were hearing an immediate relief for their oppression. And in many ways, that was what Jesus was offering. But they were losing sight of this bigger blessing that Jesus had through him, through his death. And today, we have access to that. And I'm really excited about that. I want to keep my focus on receiving that blessing through Jesus, not through enacting any of these characteristics that he has said are going to be results of living that life through him. So I think that's the challenge that I want to leave with each of you today, is to really examine our lives and ask, "Why am I doing the things I'm doing?" And look for these fruits. Um, where we want to look for you know meekness, being a peacemaker, um, pure in heart. But even but with that, it's not fruits we're creating, it's the results. So they are fruits. Um, and then... If we are, if we're, when we're seeing that, we can rejoice in the fact that we will have that reward with Christ and can um, be part of that. So thank you for your time, and I'll turn the time back over to Nate.